Hi, Wine Delusters. And in this episode, I'm speaking with the founder of Non, Aaron Trotman. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. My name's Janine and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls' weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which Non is produced on, Boomerang and the Wurundjeri, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. In this episode, I'm speaking with founder of Non, Aaron Trotman. Non is the first non-alcohol cellar door in the world. It opened up in Melbourne a few months ago and their monthly open days have been selling out fast. Aaron is a wine lover and it's really interesting how he got into non-alcoholic drinks and how he developed non, not necessarily to replace wine, but to give you another flavoursome alternative. Welcome Aaron from non. Thank you for joining me today. That's okay. How are you? Good. Let's talk about non because I found it really interesting that you kind of kicked off the idea, I guess, with part of your world trip and your wife is a non-drinker mm-hmm. yeah so I was one of those desperate foodies that would travel around the world I'd look up where Anthony Bourdain ate I'd try to get bookings at all those places and oh, some of them cool. you can't get bookings obviously um and then Michelin Guide so um where it really sparked to me was on that trip through Europe and we had dinner at the Clove Club um and the non-alcoholic pairings Miranda got and I got the wine pairings and during that meal, I was taking some of her drinks and I was like, I actually prefer this. It actually yeah. goes a lot better with the food. I actually understand what's going on here. I think for most people, the colour of the wine is the colour of the wine and that kind of the Jeff Block food it goes with. And it's not perfectly paired and there, there could be some some nuance in there and it doesn't actually suit your palate um, in, a, in a wine pairing. Um, also, the, the dinners are quite long. You know, um, sometimes they're very hard to remember the end of the meal because they're so long um, and you, and the, the consumption so high that somewhat irresponsible <laughs> in many ways. Um, very true, actually. But, yeah, um, and I was like, this is great. And then, you know, we just continued our journey and, um, and doing those meals because that's what we like to do and that was our date night and had more of them back here at home in Australia. I was like, these drinks are brilliant. But the problem is, is that you have to spend north of $300. It's hard to get a booking. You have to be there for three or four hours. Sometimes you've got to travel a long way to, to do them, which is all great. It's all a great experience um, and I highly recommend it for most people, but it's also not very acceptable. And for me, it clicked. I was like, well, hang on. If the best restaurants in the world aren't using alcohol-removed products, there has to be a reason for it, and this level of drink needs to be in the bottle. So I was like, why? buy that in the bottle i had a chef help me develop the recipes and that was it it was like there was a need for it and we it caught fire straight away and we're the first brand in the world to commercialize it um and basically create the category and they're starting to catch on now there was there was an article and it was basically about hey non-alcoholic pairings are, are better than the wine pairings to go with the food and more interesting experience which 
I've always believed in and always been saying for the last four or five years and to see an article saying the same thing that I, I didn't have an input on. I'm like, great, okay, it's starting to catch on a little bit. That's so true. I um I only had heard about this quite recently about another non-alcoholic pairing and about a, a sommelier in Canberra. She was doing that and that became her passion. So when I heard your sort of story as well, it's it is very interesting how that's um taking off. I was very kindly sent a sample box of a couple of your bottles and that the ingredients are really interesting. And so what you just said about having a chef helped you, because I noted in um, one of the writings, it said that you adopted a culinary approach. So that made me wonder if you approached a chef to help you with the, the ingredients and the sort of pairings that you put together, because they are very unique things like yuzu and toasted cinnamon and raspberry and chamomile and sour cherries and things like that. I just thought that was yeah, not bartender might put together sort of necessarily. Yeah, and it was, it was important to have the balance in there. Um, and the chef's and sommelier's palette is probably more suited to what we do um, than the bartender's palette. Um, reason being is that using cocktails and cocktail ingredients and syrups and everything, and they're very sweet and alcohol pulls it back into balance. Mm. So to and not have that alcohol pull you back into balance from from everything that you know, you kind of have to rewire your brain as a bartender. And, you know, I had a beverage now has, is, a, is a fantastic and amazing cocktail maker and made one awards and made some of the best drinks on menus around town in Melbourne. Um, but just having to change the way he thinks and everything that was quite natural to him um, it was a really interesting development to see Nick go through. Um, in the team and yeah it was you know because what we have is fruit tannin salt and acid and that's the things kind of the benchmarks they talk about in wine and then we've gotten all of those things from the ingredients just in a unique way Mm -hmm. but also it was really important from the get-go as well that we weren't trying to replicate something else and trying to make something unique so while it's a wine alternative we didn't want you to go hey this is chardonnay without in it or this is just a shitty version of a rosé or something and that's never and that's always been the point here um, and that's why it's an alternative to it you have it in the glass you have a very similar food but that's where it, that's where it ends and I actually really like the food pairing suggestions because I think I was like what do I eat with this so those pairings that came with my box was very helpful because I made a fish pie with the number three and um and that worked really good and last night we had the dark chocolate with the non-seven I have to say that was excellent because it was midweek and the non-seven is the stewed cherry and coffee sparkling. It looks like a sparkling red. We wanted some red wine midweek and thought I'll give this a go. And um, it was really good. And as you were just saying, with some non-alcoholic wines, it's it's the weight of the drink. You compare it to wine and you kind of miss the weight. And I found that the non-seven had a fairly good weight to it. Like I didn't feel like I was missing out on having a red wine it kind of gave me that hit I was looking for on a, on a midweek night so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um thank you I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it um the weight is really important and that's from using the extraction techniques that we do and processing all the ingredients you can't get that weight in there without roasting the cherries in the oven having the spices bloom and then layering in the coffee and the cascara and the texture and using verjus is 
is important. And, you know, all of these things are just building blocks. And then we don't add any sugar in that one, but in some of them we do have to add sugar. But that the sugar is for us is the seasoning. So depending on the ripeness of the fruit that we've got in at the moment will determine what the sugar is, but it's always going to land at the same point in terms of a bricks and pH reading. So we can balance we we balance it out that way. You know, sugar essentially is kind of like our salt and pepper if you would finish a dish. And it goes in right at the end just to get that balance in there and, and body weight. And when you remove alcohol from products, ethanol carries a lot of the body, pretty much most of it. And it also strips out a lot of sugars as well. And that's why they add more sugars and they add something else in there. And that's why we don't use any flavors or flavor houses. Like, you know, it says natural flavors, but sure, it came from natural ingredient, but still it's not exactly, exactly what a natural flavor tastes like. If you go to a flavor house, it's a raspberries better candy candied it's something that they've decided in the 80s focus group like all the kids are going to go wild for this and then that's all the raspberry flavors that you can buy and that's why they all taste the same but raspberries are actually really tart they actually don't have a lot of flavor as such and that's what's really interesting once you start like breaking down ingredients properly and you go oh this is what it actually does and you have it in isolation but then when you put them all together which we do with the flavor workshops at, at hq is you go oh yeah oh yeah and you're like oh and then you see how it all comes together and then you have a glass with something to eat by itself then with something to eat see how it changes again and then we can really layer on context by coming down and, and showing people exactly what we do because you've got seven different flavors now Mm-hmm. how long has it been putting them all together like has it been over a period of a couple of years or did you develop all seven of them before you put it out to market or so we launched with three so one through three and then four and five came fairly quickly into the second year so we're in the fourth year just for context and then six and seven were in the third year and then we stopped I wanted to really push hard on innovation, but I realized that making seven of them all the time, having them in market all the time, we started to have consistency issues. We don't get the same affordability that wine does where it's like, this is the year, this is the vintage, this is how it presented. Although we are, we're exposed to all the same things that happen to wine, weather, humidity, different seasons, whatever they are. So we, we, we're exposed to all those things, but we, we, we get treated in the world where it needs to be super consistent. We can't get it fully consistent with the natural ingredients that we use, but what we can do is we can get them pretty close. And we had to start on the, in, the, in the MPD realm just to actually do the MPD within what we already had, get a better supply chain, make sure we're working with the same people that they can scale with us, and so we stopped doing all of that. And now we're, we're, we're starting to do some innovation again because we've innovated within our own house, within our team. There's a lot of things we have to fix as a business just to make sure before we start throwing more stuff into this, we have to fix, it, fix everything yeah, yeah. out. And we, had, and we had to build the HQ that could support what we wanted to do first and improve our process in what we do. Um, and that was through speed, food safety, all of those sorts of things. So now it's in innovation, you know, we've probably got like not finished, maybe like 15, 20 drinks that I don't even know if any of them will see the light of day. But 
they're around and they exist and there's some formulas on some pieces of papers in folders, but fun job sampling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, yeah, if you have too many as well in the range, it makes it really hard when you're going out and doing tastings, samplings. We had to we had to pull it back to the core rate. Just going back what you were saying, so the type of drinks category, you can't say that it's like a 2022 vintage or a 2023 vintage of the, the fruits, for example, and so that it can't differentiate each year like, like with wine. Is that the non-alcoholic category expects it to be the same every year, does it? No, not, not, not entirely. So if we have bucket loads of money, oh. we could buy <laughs> enough produce um to give you context if we buy six months worth of raspberries we have to buy six tons of raspberries and they all have to be freeze dried yeah and that's a lot of that's a lot of money we have to buy our version like we buy wine um but to buy all those ingredients and also have the storage um it's not actually very efficient for us to do that sure. so we could have labels where we're like hey this was the lead ingredients batch of it and then this is it but at the same time that we don't have an unlimited shelf life like wine as well we do have 18 months um we're we're comfortable that we'll be 24 but we haven't had the processes that we have in place now that we've been able to even been in business long enough to test test it if that's actually (laughs) because because we're in the flavor business so flavor is more important to us it's completely safe to drink for three years four years but is, is what we want to put out and present to the customers. Are we giving them the best experience? That's the question. And what we do, it's expensive to make. It, it uses labour and stuff. We're not just buying drums of stuff and mixing it together in a, in, a, in someone else's warehouse and, and then shipping it off in a bottle. So we have to have the price that we have, which is actually cheap once you actually understand what we do. And, you know, at $30, it's like a lot of people get paid $30 an hour or just above. And, you know, they're going to give us one hour of their life that they're worth for, for their money. And we want to make sure it's the best possible experience. Yeah. So you would be making these drinks all year round because I would assume that the harvest for different fruits would be happening and that, and at that different was, times and that of the year. Of the reason. Yeah. Yeah, and that was part of the reason of pulling it back because we are trying to buy pears out of season or they'll be seasoned north but not south. Yeah. And it was giving us a totally different drink, of course. The reason why the core range is is that we can preserve is the right word, but it, I don't want it to come across like we're adding preservatives to the yeah, drink. No, that's not yeah. what, we, what, what we're doing, but, but it's a freeze-drying of, of the raspberries. The cherries are frozen. The oranges are dehydrated. So we can buy what we want in enough quantities that we can we can get that in and we can keep the product as consistent as possible and we hold about six months worth and the reason for that as well is that the storage conditions can change mm. the, pro- the product that we have in the warehouse as well and we still don't fully understand exactly what they do and how they present yet so we don't want to we don't want to like just have all this stuff that you know, waste is even worse than anything else. So we don't want to I create agree with that. Any more definitely. Waste. So yeah. Definitely. We're really careful about it. So you've opened your non-HQ cellar door. It opens once a month on a Friday, mm-hmm. the first Friday of the month. We've got up to eight people and I think we're doing three a day at the moment. We try doing four and that was a bit crazy doing the table reset. <laughs> so we are 
before the back of three and we're like, okay, that, I think that's enough. We're still testing the waters on all of these things and, and figuring them out like like any any small business does. It's going really well though. What's been the what's the experience that people can expect when they come along? So you get a hello from me. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get to do a high five and I, I get to give you a little spiel. And then you do a flavor workshop. Um, and then from there, basically the point is that we lay on context throughout the of what we do as you go through the facility. So you do a flavor workshop and then you see, okay, well, this is it in a little dish. And then this is how much we put into this, into, into another bit. And then we go out to another bit and then you come down and you sit down and I've, and I've made a dining room in there as well. And then you have pairings and the people that make the drink will talk you through it just like a winemaker would or a master blender would. You get that experience in non-alk and that's something that we're very fortunate to do. We, we always wanted to be really transparent. The ingredients that we use are on the front of the label because we're not using anything that you don't have in your home fridge or your kitchen cupboard. We're not using anything wild. So we put it up front, this is what's in it. And that is exactly what it is in it. And that's it. Because um, the front of the label and the back of the label say the exact same thing. Yeah. We've got nothing to hide. If you come in and you actually want to be dumb enough to actually try to do this yourself and steal what we do, then go <laughs> for it. <laughs> we, can all, we can all do it at home then after, after our two hours. <laughs> Yeah. dehydrators yeah. and uh, everything else. Yeah. I probably put people off more than I yeah, think to encourage people. <laughs> like you said, maybe $30 sounds like very good value after seeing all the work that goes into it. That's the and plan. So that's been going only for a few months, the cellar doors. The I think cellar we doors. just did our third one last week, I think. So that's Excellent. the third month of it. Yeah. It's been, it's been booked out. Great. Every time. Yeah. When we did it, I was... You know, the like, oh, okay, we'll build it, see if they come. And they came. I, I remember when I first came down the stairs and on the first one, I was like, I was just sort of standing there, like, looking really dumb. And, and everyone's kind of like looking at me. I'm just like, I actually can't believe people are here. <laughs> That's how I started the tour. But thank you. I was like overwhelmed. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, it was good fun. And so you're going to start opening on weekends, are you? That's the plan. Yeah. We definitely want to start doing that as well. Like I know that the non-elk scene has just gone absolutely gangbusters in the last couple of years, but do you still have any resistance, people querying non-elk? Like my husband, he's for working. example, he's old school. He's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I'm like, just, you know, give it a go and that. And and he was very pleasantly surprised with the, with the red last night. I definitely understand people's concerns from a consumer point of view around non-elk products um you know generally they're quite sugary they're unbalanced they're one-dimensional i understand it i totally understand why people might have some reservations towards it i think what we do as a product is we can we can convert those people um like your husband um, <laughs> and i think that i think <laughs> and i th and i think that that's that's really cool that we can do that and pique their interest enough by the ingredients on it and going in some ways going, there's no way this could taste good. There's no way that this could work. Give me a try this. You know, that's kind of what we want. And also we want the flavours to somewhat be polarising. Um, and that, that becomes a conversation starter as well. You go, wow, try this. Like, no way, you know, and it's really interesting. And then you, 
you also get to find out more about the person that you didn't know. You're like, really? Mm, I didn't think that. <laughs> so I think it's a really interesting way of socialising. I think that non-alc is now probably getting treated similar to how vegans and vegetarian mm-hmm. options did on menus. Yeah. Um, you're almost probably a bit out of touch and out of the loop if you're not catering for, for non-alc. And also we've, we've found that even online menus are kind of an afterthought. Like you can look at an online menu at a restaurant before you go and you're like, great, I'm going to get this, this, and this. And you get there and it's totally different. They don't update them. And it, we've even found that in that, if you don't have them updated, you could possibly like lose some bookings and you know, every dollar counts at the moment. And you don't want to be losing a booking of eight people because one person wasn't drinking. You didn't have the non-alcohol list updated. Mm-hmm. And I think that the trade's starting to see that. And it's, it is getting easier to have the conversation with them. For us, having a product that goes really well with food, the kitchen's happy, the songs are happy, the bar's happy because it's easy. Yeah. Um, you know, even staff retention and staff turnover is quite high at the moment, hospitality, and it's really hard to get good staff. And having something that you can just pour, good to go in a wine glass, and you don't need too much training behind it, mm. it's a great, non's a great solution for them. Yeah. Um, and that's... And, and that's what we're seeing like globe like around the world as well. Um, and how we serve the purpose there as well in Singapore, Japan, right. is in the US and on and on. So yeah. Non is all over those countries, is it? Yeah, so we're in eight countries at the moment. Yeah. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. And widely available in restaurants across Australia as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all, all the places that we mostly want to show up, we're we're in most of them, um, bar a few. And then independent, um, independent liquor stores as well. Also like fine grocers as well. So somewhere from like Harris Farms to Market Organics in Brisbane or a leaf or a gum tree here in Melbourne. Um, we're in those places as well. And by the way, do you still have the odd drink now and again? Or have you converted? Yeah. No, I, I, I like flavour and I like socialising. And you know what? I really like wine. And But if I don't want to drink wine... I want something that's really good and has yeah. flavour and goes well with my food. And that's always been what's been important to me. So it's easy to moderate when you've got really good options. And it's obviously really difficult if you don't have really good options and you don't have something in a similar vessel to other people that are drinking and just feeling included at the table. So that's so true. That's the that's the reason for being, I suppose. Yeah. And I tell you what, I know when I was pregnant. Having something in a wine glass, if it was just like a lemonade or something, but to have something a bit classier would have been really wonderful a few years ago when, when I was um, totally my boy. So it makes a big yeah. it makes a it makes a big difference, you know. Just that extra, like how far you have to go with it, you know. It's just and it's delicate, and it's eloquent, and it, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, congratulations! I think it's a wonderful product, and um, I look forward to getting down to Melbourne and and visiting sometime. I look forward to seeing you then. And some quick stats on the region. So Non is located in Melbourne. Melbourne is one of the premier places in Australia for food, drink, art, culture and music. It's the second largest city and there's heaps to see and do. Non is in the suburb of Cheltenham. This is about a 35-minute drive from the city centre or about an hour from the Southern Cross Station in the city on public transport. For accommodation, 
Melbourne is full of hotels, motels, hostels and house accommodation of all budgets. And this episode wraps up Season 6 of the Wine Delust podcast. Keep an eye on my socials or subscribe to my newsletter to find out when the next season is dropping. And until then, happy wine travels. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to windelust.com.au. That's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels.